You're listening to Subconscious Mind Mastery, podcast number 175. Thomas Miller back here with a special announcement. This is going to be the last numbered Subconscious Mind Mastery podcast ever. What? Going to quit? <laughs> no, not going to quit. I said the last numbered podcast, and we're going to give it to Fred Dodson. Why? Well, because a couple of weeks ago, Apple came out and just shocked the podcast community. I mean, had it on its ear that they were going to do away with numbered podcasts. If you had numbers in your titling of your podcast, they were going to take it off. I don't know how they could do that because some of the biggest podcasts out there are all numbered. That's what everybody did back then when I started this in 2013. That was the format. But anyway, I'm not going to take any chances. So I just thought I was thinking about doing this anyway. And you'll hear about that in this podcast because we're going to be talking about intuition. And I just had this little prompt that after 200, I was going to start uh, or stop numbering and just go with the title. And here this thing comes up from Apple. So anyway, let's give this time to Fred Dodson. We are going to talk about intuition, prompts, synchronicities, and so much more in this podcast. Fred joins us, and and actually after we recorded this, he said that he thought it was the best interview that we have done in almost six years. And I totally agree. So without further ado, the book is called The Intuitive Awareness Method. Links to it on Amazon and Audible are on the show notes, but let's give our time to Fred. This is Fred Dodson. Fred, I always get great comments when you are on the podcast, so thanks for coming back and joining us again. Well, you're welcome, Thomas. I'm happy to be here. You know, this book, I Am, the I Am technique about intuitive listening is one of the main questions I get, and people normally tell me that they can't hear that intuitive voice. So I thought we might just start with that before we talk about a technique of several steps to use that intuitive voice. What do you tell people in your seminars and workshops and coaching when they can't hear intuition? Well, my question to them would be, why do you tell yourself that you can't do it? I mean, that's the first step. That's the basic step. It's, it's like um, going back to grade school with the very, very first steps. You know, why, why would you tell your why, why would you put, tell your subconscious? Uh, I can't do that. Can't do it. Can't do it. How about starting to tell yourself that maybe you can? Maybe it's uh, maybe you already do. Uh, I, because I don't believe this is unique to me. Um, I think it's a, it's a natural ability, you know, and the only thing standing between me and that ability is the thought that I can't do it. I can't hear it. Maybe they think it's something uh, paranormal or amazing or far out, thereby not seeing how simple and obvious it is. You know? What I hear like, from, from people is they simply can't get connected with that inner voice. So they try, they want to, and nothing shows up. It's like if you're sitting silently, there's no prompt. If they're active, walking, doing something physical, no prompt. So there's no dialogue with that inner inner part of themselves. Just nothing there. It would be like 
if I were trying to ask a question and there was silence <laughs> from, from your connection, you know, it's like, where did he go? Where is he? You know, it's like they get nothing. And that's what people tell me is how do you connect with that voice? They're okay. Um, they're expecting a voice or a dialogue, or I, I don't know what they're expecting. Well, or even a feeling, you know, just that, that they don't get a feeling. A lot of, I know you've written about it in the other book of intuition training, but a lot of intuitive prompts just come as a feeling, right? Well, they could uh, come as a feeling, but they don't have to. They could also come as a coincidence that happens externally on the outside. Um, You know, you ask a question and a day later, the answer comes in the form of something a waitress says, something you see in a movie. Um, It could also come that way. But I don't, I have a really, really hard time uh, understanding how someone could not connect because from my perspective, they're already connected. Um, the, the entire question is hard for me to understand, Thomas. They're saying, how can I connect? I'm like, why would you connect to something that's already connected? It's like saying, you know, the Wi-Fi is connected and somebody's asking, how could I connect the Wi-Fi? Um I think the I am uh, uh, book and the, the technique bypasses all of that because um, you ask a question and you list several answers yourself. <laughs> so, so it's actually bypassed in the book because you list the questions yourself, uh, the answers yourself. That's how the techniques works. You list all kinds of possible answers and then you, feel your way through the different answers okay so suppose somebody doesn't get any answers well you could always use the technique i described you could provide the answers himself and then simply feel the difference between the various answers another way to answer this is if you don't get any um you know if you don't get an answer ask again and then ask again and then ask again but that's not really, it's beside the point of the book, isn't it? Because in the book, you provide the answers yourself. Boy, and that technique works. I couldn't wait to roll up my sleeves on it with a couple of things that were going on in my own life. And it worked beautifully, gave me direction, gave me clarity, and allowed me to move forward in some ways that I just had confidence in. Well, let's let's describe it to people then, may I? Absolutely, please. Okay. So if you don't want to buy the book, Here's the technique. <laughs> you, you ask a question. You want to know something. There's something you don't know. You want to know it. And then you uh, write down all possible answers that come to mind. And you also add one or two nonsense answers that can't be true. And I'll explain in a minute why, why you do that. I'll give some examples later. Or there's examples in the book. And then you uh, imagine each of those answers to be true. Okay, you say, or, or you, if you can't imagine, if you say, I can't, people are always full of can'ts, you know, if you, I try to make it as easy as possible, and they'll still come up with, I can't, well, I can't visualize, well, if you can't visualize, then you write down various answers, and if you tell me, well, I can't write, then I'm sorry, I can't help you, <laughs> but you write down, um, you know, you write down the answers as if they're true, and then you um, simply feel your inner response, your body, your physical response. It's, it's a, that's what I write in the book. It's actually the physical body 
tells you what intuition is because the physical body is translating um, the soul's energy. So when people are saying they, they can't feel a thing, that's very unlikely because you're feeling stuff all the time, okay? If I give you a few true statements and a few untrue statements, you'll likely, if you really pay attention, be able to feel the difference in your body. If you think of something beautiful versus something less beautiful, you'll likely be able to feel the difference. If I ask you to imagine a lemon, imagine sex versus imagine a street sign, you'll likely be able to feel the difference. So it's the physical body assisting you in, in feeling. It's, you know, some people can't do it yet. In that case, they have to get used to feeling again. Um, you have to feel the difference between the different answers. And that's based on the idea that the body doesn't lie. The mind lies, the mind makes up stuff all the time, but the body simply follows orders. The body doesn't lie and it'll respond to whether something is true or not, which is uh, goes back to muscle testing. You know, many people know that if you uh, if if your muscles stay strong in a certain statement, it's true. If your muscles go weak, it's untrue. Uh, that, that's the direction it goes. So you're basically asking your your inside, which is your soul, your energy, your body, about these different options, and then you cross out the ones you don't feel anything on or you feel untrue on until you have one or two options left and then you go back and forth on those options and the one you feel the most on is in most cases the the correct answer and that's essentially how the technique works okay and then later as you get more pro at it you know you'll you'll get your answers more quickly now, I don't know what kind of crowd I'm talking to. You tell me people can't feel anything. That's, that's a tough crowd, okay? Well, I just, I know as I've traced back when intuitive prompts have shown up in my own life, right? I can yeah. trace them all the way back to high school. I knew several, and one would have made a very transformative uh, change in the outcome of my life because the person I ended up marrying for my first marriage, I had a clear, intuitive prompt, no. So that would have obviously changed things had I been listening, but I just wasn't tuned in that that was something to follow. And yeah, so there's the answer. You really got to tune in, literally tune in, and that requires some form of uh, decisive silence. And that means, you know, to, to shut up for a moment and pay attention. Tuning in, because if you don't tune into a radio station, you're not going to hear it, right? All you hear is static. You know, this whole concept shifted for me when I went to Colorado and got quiet on the hiking trails. And then I finally started to hear and be able to follow on a consistent basis. But yeah, I had to tune the noise down that much before it shifted for me. Yeah, it's it's not a question of whether intuition works or not. It's a question of how society has uh, led people into a world of noise and distraction. So, so yes, absolutely. So this is one of the fun questions that I've been wanting to ask you on this very topic, because when... When we first started working together in around 2013, 
as I recall, you were spending a good bit of time in Manhattan, and that's a place that you've spent time and a place that you have enjoyed, I think. Yeah. One of the noisiest places on the planet. (laughs) So how do you reconcile, how did you tune in or maintain, obviously you've had this for a long, long, long time, how did you maintain that in that bustling, noisy environment? Well, first of all, I don't go to Manhattan to to tune into my intuition. I go there to make money. <laughs> Different purpose. Secondly, you know, you can always uh, close the doors behind you, close the window. But even then, there's a constant background. But if it's background, it becomes white noise eventually. So, so, so it's not that bad. I'd I'd have to close my eyes more often, breathe more often. Whereas if I live in the country, which I am now, I live pretty far out there. I don't have to meditate anymore. So in Manhattan, I had to meditate. Out in the country, I don't have to meditate because the country meditates me. Yeah, that was Colorado for me too. Same thing. Puts you in that just blissful state, really, almost. Yeah, birds chirping and... That meditates you. That's why we have all these yoga centers and meditation centers in Manhattan, because that's what people need there. Yeah, exactly. And indoor gyms. And you don't have yoga centers and meditation centers in the country because it's not needed. You know, the country itself, the land itself is is silent and and at peace. So let's say that somebody has the equivalent noisemaker in their life, whether they're living in the city or the country, of, say, going through a divorce or uh, a child that is having difficulties in high school, you know, in those challenging years, and they're having to work through that. And that's constantly bringing this noise that occupies their time. And when they go to bed at night, that's on their mind. They're thinking about it. They're waking up with it in the morning, maybe they don't sleep very well. That, to me, is the same equivalent, whether you might live out in the country or on a lake or by the ocean and have an otherwise serene environment, but there's a a situational noise that's going on. Is that the same thing? Absolutely. That's mental noise. That's mind noise. You could be living at the ocean out in the country, but there could be noise between you and your partner. I mean, that's why why people get divorced. They just can't take the noise anymore. They just want their peace. They're exhausted. You know, they're exhausted of justifying themselves, being controlled, and whatever. That is mental noise right there. So this technique gives you a way. As I'm thinking, it's kind of like a bushwhacker. It gives you a way to cut through that noise because you get the noise out. Right, as you said, you list out options, and then you start to feel your body telling you which option is the best option to do. Yeah. So even amidst the noise, even amidst the clutter, the body is still in tune. Is that is that what this what the basis of this is, that your body still is grounded and locked in, even if you can't feel it at the moment? Well, the body is more in tune than the mind, and the soul is more in tune than the body. Um, the, the body's translating the, the spirit, the essences, the higher self's information. Now, I'm sure there's cases where somebody's so drowned in trouble that his body doesn't function anymore and give, give him reliable information anymore. And that's where 
you know, that's where physical exercise and good nutrition comes in and a generally healthy lifestyle. So, so mine is intact. I, I can't vouch for others. I can say that almost everyone I've tried it with, I've tried the technique with, has uh, had good results with it. About 80%. That's why I wrote the book in the first place. I've been using it in coaching for, for years, okay? And I thought, well, I keep coming back to this technique, you know? Oh, why don't I write about it? Um, why is it exclusive to my students? So, so that was the idea. It, it, it cuts through a lot because it follows a natural a natural way of doing things people have been it's not really a technique people have been listening into their inside for a long time when it comes to important decisions you know they'd sit down and they'd take a breath and they just look inside and listen and see what they're really feeling and what's really going on it's it's just a natural thing to do it's it's so obvious the idea that your soul and body have the answers is, is not a new idea. I think it's been around for thousands of years. I've always heard a description of a good CEO always says that they can feel the answer to how to take the company in their gut. Right, in the gut. Exactly. Then they just it, execute that out. Intuition is really a success path. Have you found in your coaching that if you can get people in tune with their intuition and trust it and have confidence in themselves to be able to tune into it, that they generally can find their own answers most of the time? Yes, they can. Then they don't require coaching anymore. I worked with a coach who addicted me to coaching. <laughs> not you. <laughs> not you. You're short and fast and quick and snappy. You get right to it. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I don't... I don't seek long-term coaching at all. Um, and I tell people that. And some insist on it anyway, because they just want to chat with, they, they want an outside perspective. You know, they want a second perspective and they think I'm very in tune. I guess I am in tune, but I don't, I don't seek that. I don't, I, I seek quick solutions, resolutions, relief. And I seek people who, who find their own answers. I think that's empowerment. That's self-improvement. I don't think it's uh, empowering to become coach-dependent. Can you walk us through a little deeper on how the body knows? So this whole concept that the body tenses and then relaxes when it knows the right path that, like you said, also translates into muscle testing or kinesiology. Explain how that, why is that in place and how does that work? Well, it's a good question. It's an important question. Um, you'll notice that various uh, issues you have have mirrors or um, they're mirrored in certain parts of the body. Okay, so if, if you're feeling sad, that's mirrored. What you actually mean is it's a certain energy in your body. If you're going through a divorce, you might at the same time get a certain something that bothers you in the leg or whatever, okay? So energies linger in the body, and that's one thing. And the other thing is that when, when you say, I feel good or I don't feel good, what you, what you actually mean is a certain sensation in the body. 
Okay, that's the, that's what you really need. And you you'll see that certain statements people make will affect how you feel in your body. Okay, uh, an especially negative person, you might get a sinking feeling in the gut. An especially powerful or positive person, you might feel an uptick after being with that person. And then um, in addition to other people and externals, your own thoughts will, will influence your, your body state in different ways. Now, how do you know if something's good for you or not? Well, you hold it in mind for a moment and see how you feel. It's really as simple as that. There's not much to explain, okay? I hold this thought in mind, this option in mind, this answer in mind, and I see what my body tells me to it. Like recently, a certain Thomas Miller wanted me to write a certain book, and I agreed to it. You know, my mind agreed to it. And as I was writing the book, I just didn't feel it. And we often say that, I'm not feeling it. And that's a very smart and enlightened thing to say. I'm not feeling it right now. So I try again next week, and I wait another week, and then I tried writing it again. And I just didn't feel the book. In fact, I felt nothing. And when I feel nothing, what does it mean? Well, it means it's not something I should pursue right now. I have to either change my attitude or go in another direction entirely. Okay? So um, then I asked myself, well, which book would be fun? What would be fun to write? What does inspire me? And I thought of this, you know, a couple of months ago, I had this. Uh, experience and i was eager to write the book on pleiadians and i also felt inspired and eager to write the book on on intuition it's a feeling i felt excited nobody had to motivate me or get me to do it and where is that feeling it's a feeling in the body and people have to keep it that simple there's nothing mysterious about it it's straightforward now you ask me about the mechanics of it and how it works i don't know how it works i just know to trust what i feel and i've come to that point i guess through all these coachings with people who who haven't been trusting what they feel and they're like you know i mean just in the last weeks uh just recently i had a student she's like um well i'm, I'm bored by my job you know and then I'm like, well, if you're bored by your job, leave your job. And then she's like, no, I can't. You know? So I, 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 don't, I don't understand that at all. Uh, how can somebody act in spite of what they feel? How can somebody feel bored by their job and not change? And then we said, okay, well, wh why are you booking this coaching then? Well, I want to change something about my feeling. And I'm like, uh, well, you don't feel good about your job. What, what, what do you come to me for? You know, quit your job. <laughs> and, and then a few days later, there was another student. I mean, I do several coachings a week, okay? Another student, she's like, yeah, well, I, uh, I'm kind of depressed, you know, and I'm, I'm coaching with you to, to improve my depression. Like, well, what do you do all day? Do you do a job you like? No. Uh, what do you do in the evening? I watch movies, but I don't want to. Okay. I drink wine, but I don't want to. So she, she, she drinks wine every evening, watches movie every evening. There's a job she doesn't like. She's in a marriage she doesn't like. She doesn't like any of that. And then she comes to me 
uh, to feel better about doing stuff she doesn't like. You see, it's, 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 it's bizarre. So it's through all these coachings. Uh, no offense, dear students, if you're listening to this, no offense. But it is bizarre, okay? It's, it's strange. Instead of going by what they feel and going in the right direction, the direction that feels better, they want to feel good about being in a marriage they don't like, feel good about being in a job they don't like. And that's not really what I'd recommend. I'd instead recommend trusting what your body is telling you, trusting what your feelings are telling you, what your heart is telling you. I recommend opening your heart. If people open their heart, they usually change their profession fairly quickly. Okay. Uh, I've seen that a lot. Once you open your heart, your profession changes. <laughs> okay. Now I've got to ask a how question <laughs> for when we, so you say open your heart. What are you talking about? Well, do you get how, how do you get my, the perspective I just talked about Thomas, how bizarre it is to me uh, that people approach me for coaching for that, make it, having them feel better about something that's no good. But that's a closed heart, okay? That's a firmly closed heart because they're saying, first of all, they're saying, I'm not worth doing something that I like. That's a closed heart. They're also saying, um, to me, having this comfort and comfort zone is more important than feeling joy. It's, it's, it's a closed heart. And if you're going to open your heart, then you're going to trust you're going to value yourself to do what feels right, true, beautiful. And you're going to modify your beliefs so that you have confidence to change your job or whatever it is you want to change. You'll open your heart toward change. So opening your heart means becoming more silent, becoming more soft. And doing what you know is true, right, good, beautiful. It's not that people don't know this, Thomas, okay? They, they, they pretend they don't know it. They know what's, what would be the right path. They know why they're depressed. They're depressed because they're preventing themselves from doing what's in their heart. What's in my heart? That, that which feels true, good, beautiful, joyful, natural. You know how this played out for me in Colorado was... A, just a, a total clarity that this internal voice, this internal prompt, this internal knowing, this body sensation that you've been talking about was the part of me that could see around the corner. My mind could only see up there. And a lot of this happened on the hiking trail. So, you know, in the fall in Colorado, there are often bears in the woods. And I would... I even got to the point where I could tell if the, if a, I was going to encounter a bear. <laughs> it was kind of wild. And knew that there was a sensation that could see the part that my mind couldn't see. That is very significant, what you just said. That is beautiful and significant. You could feel the danger long before you saw it. That's the heart, the heart brain, as some say. You know, long before you can see it, it's not even, you can, long before you can smell it, there's something not quite right there and you've got to take a turn, you know. 
And it is strange that we have this part of us that doesn't want to follow what's best for us. So yeah, it becomes a kind of a funny question of if there is part of me that knows what's around the corner of whatever situation it is, whether it's a relationship or business or health or travel or whatever, and I don't follow that, but instead argue with it and then even go the other way because I think I know better in the part of my reality that can't see past the wall, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make It's like there's a profound amount of evidence now that if you inhale tobacco smoke into your lungs over a long period of time, that you increase your risk for certain diseases. And yet people choose to do it every day, every hour. Yeah, it's a, it's a special kind of stubbornness, isn't it? Um, that's a good example. That's a good metaphor because um, the mind is like an addiction, you know, following the mind. It's an addiction. Um, people think it'll give them security. It does provide a sense of security, you know, going by, by logic and by what you learned. But um, it's, it is limited, you know. So I'd recommend you don't have to get rid of the mind altogether, but you could balance it out with a, with, with a heart voice, okay? So you got your mind talking in your heart, and sometimes you balance that out. The way to do that, I guess, is to slow down. That's the best way I found, you know, to, to slow down, to stop once in a while, you know, and look and feel. Yes, to stop and feel once in a while. Just feel, you know. You're, you're, you're walking a certain direction, you stop for a moment, and you feel into your body what's going on. Or you're in a conversation, and you stop talking for a moment, okay, and, and, and you feel. Or you're watching a movie, and then you, you might, if you, if you don't like the movie, why do you keep watching it? You, you can practice this, you know, because it's the same concept. I, I, I quit doing that long ago. If after 10 minutes I don't like a movie, I just switch it off. Even if my, uh, my, my loved one is offended, you know. Just uh, switch, uh, or, or I just leave. I say, I don't want to watch it. Uh, yeah, but we're watching it right now. Well, well I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You are. <laughs> now you are. We were, now you are. <laughs> Why do people feel co- compelled to watch the movie to the end? Well, the same, the same thing within us that feels compelled to watch it to the end is the same one who keeps smoking or the same one who keeps walking toward the bear. So will, there's an element of will in that, you know, the will to to interrupt and stop just because it's a habit or just because you're doing it doesn't mean it's good. Just because it's easy does not mean it's good. You know, it would be easy to finish watching the movie because then I don't have to move my lazy body, but it's not good. You know, Netflix has that section on the homepage of uh, finish watching this show, and it lists all the shows that you've stopped partially. I've got a rack of them down in that section <laughs> the same way. If I'm not into it, I just, I'm, I'm out. Yeah, that means you're a good filter. I, I could recommend that to anybody. That's, uh, that's great, actually. It's a good sign. 
I, I wish people would treat all of reality that way. You know, it's no good. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, you might have some unfinished shows down there in that category of your of your homepage, but uh, you'll be on the right path. And you know, to that end, one of the things that you wrote that I that made the biggest impact on me is your stream of life metaphor. It's in reality creation technique, and it's in uh, levels of energy, where basically we are floating down a river and that the river of life, the stream of life, will get us to the destination that we are to go. Is this technique, this I am technique, this intuitive prompt or feeling technique, the way that we stay pretty much centered up in the middle of that stream of life? Yeah, you feel your way through life. It's it's pretty much it. Okay, and the other question I wanted to ask on the other side of that coin then is, I know you're a big believer in intentions, setting intentions. You've talked about that a lot. It's part of your workshops. What's the difference then between an intention where we where we might just sit down and say, hey, I would like, or really, I'm probably going to answer my own question here. Do the I am process and then set your attention, <laughs> intention, right? Would be the way to do that. But but you get my point. It's the difference between setting an intention and staying in touch with that feeling. Do you combine them? Well, what you just said, I was going to say, you know, uh, feel what, what the right path is and then intend for that path. <laughs> See, it took me 24 audiobooks to get there, but I'm finally getting there, Fred. It's starting to work. That was a tough study. <laughs> the reason oh, no. are required in that many teachers is because, you know, it's it's a pretty dense realm, I got to say. And I'm starting to wonder. <laughs> it's pretty dense around here, you know. I'm like, uh, it's not that difficult, folks. You know, it's... it's uh, What's the problem? You came but, in on a different level than most of us mortal humans. I'll tell you, you uh, you came in with some stuff that uh, that most of us were not equipped with, and I'm just thrilled that you have communicated it out because we need it. Yeah. You know, well, in any case, I'm I'm starting to wonder, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stop! Don't stop! <laughs> Well, it truly is, I think, and you mentioned this in the first part of the book, that this is the probably number one key. Would you not agree? If you took all of the tools, all the techniques, your books are chock full of exercises. They are chock full of techniques and ways that you can apply all of these different things. But if you had one that you could walk out into the desert with and stay alive, this would be the one, would it not? Yeah. But I'd also add to that that you could take any one of those uh, techniques from the various books, and and if you stuck to that, you know, you develop it, um, and, and it would serve you well. So th- th- while this is one of my favorite for sure, you could also take another and just stick to that. It's about you know sticking with something until it develops, until your subconscious. Um, believes in it because when your subconscious is on board with the technique it starts working so so you mustn't forget that it's not about the tools it's about the person applying them and whether he can uh you know automate 
certain tools. Very well said. Great. Well, thank you for sharing this one and putting it together in these pieces because it is incredibly powerful. Well, you're welcome. Very welcome. And and great, great analogy with Netflix, Thomas. That is so important. I'd like to repeat how important that is because that's exactly the behavior, okay? The, the filtering behavior, the intuitive behavior. You, you realize that which is not good and you go another direction. You, you press uh, the off button. I just lose interest in it, kind of like you described in the analogy of the book. It's just not there. I'm out. Turn it off. Go do something else. Right. I tried to, you told me how much success that book could bring and how many people could be interested. And despite all of that, I knew it can be a huge success. I know it's the right thing to do. I know the world is ready for it. I know everybody's looking for that right now. Despite all of that, um, I'm out, you know, and and that's actually that, I think that's what people might have a hard time with. It's not always the, the heart path is not always the obvious success path. And because they're so desperate for survival and financial success, they short circuit themselves. They cut off the intuition um, in the hopes of getting some, some success reward, some acknowledgement, some financial reward. I think that's, that's one of the things. And that's the only reason I tried writing the book because I knew it would be a great success, you know, but if I'm not feeling it, I'm just not feeling it. And I know that long-term, long-term uh, following the heart is more success and it's legitimate success. So, so that's the mess. Love is the message and the message is love as usual. <laughs> well, I, I want to ask you about your music before we get away here. You know, the, another point that just came to mind on that too is now after what, six years of being together, um, minus the Colorado a little uh, hiatus or part. But Majana now knows that when we sit down to watch a Netflix show, and even if it's a documentary that I might be interested in the topic, she knows that there's about a 50-50 chance that I'll get up and walk away. And you know what? That's okay with her. And it's okay with me because if she wants to continue watching it, she will if she's interested in it but she doesn't now take offense to me leaving. And I think that's another key point too, is especially in a relationship situation where you have that, that partner uh, compatibility that when you feel that you have to pull off of something. Yeah. It's a mature, a mature relationship. Yeah. That and, that's okay. Yeah. In the mini universe of movies, but the same principle applies to everything. You might want to go to a certain place. Majana doesn't want to go. You know, it's fine that she does that and you do that. It's completely fine. It's it's a mature relationship. Yeah. So <laughs> you then you have that freedom that you that you can follow your internal prompts and not meet that with great resistance from your partner all the time. I didn't have that in the past, and boy, that's a that's a great gift to have now for sure. It's the only way a relationship can work long-term, okay? If we're talking long, long, long-term, that's how it can work. That's how it does work. One person does not have to give up who they are just to please the other. If both can be who they really are, the relationship will last forever. 
I'm letting there be a lot of silence there so that that point sinks in. Say the only that, reason we divorce is because we can't be who we really are, you know? <laughs> yeah, say that again. That's a great, great point. The only reason people divorce is because we feel we cannot be who we really are. So when people come to me and say, should I divorce or not? I say, well, before you divorce, try fully being who you really are within the existing relationship. Do what you like, when you like, as much as you like, okay? And if you can be that, within the marriage, then you don't have to divorce. But if you really can't, you know, then, then you leave. But that's the first thing to try. Because often it's, it's an illusion. We believe we cannot be who we really are uh, in the relationship. The mind tells us we can't. So we, then we jump to the next relationship and the mind starts telling us the same thing after a while. So it's about, it's not about leaving or staying. It's about, can you be today who you really are? (laughs) Hey, you've been doing music lately, sitting back down at the keyboard, and I've been loving it. Would you tell people where that came from and what you're doing and and how they can find it? Well, that's uh, what we've been talking about, right? I'm just feeling it. So I didn't feel the book, but I did feel... Uh, making music (laughs) nothing wrong with that man you are make you are you you hit the zone because it's amazing well if you feel it you 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 do it i i I did it back in uh 2006 7 8 now many many years later i'm taking it back up because that disturbance field is gone it's like what i just said can i be who i really am within the relationship so you know, I, I tested it with my uh, current wife, and it works just fine because in her presence, I can be whoever I really am. So if I'm composing music all day, that's okay. You know, there's no uh, resistance from her side, and uh, I don't have to pretend to be working, and that's beautiful. So sometimes I just sit there all day composing, you know, you know until I find something I like, and. I actually uh, compose much more than I publish, just like with the books, you know, I, I'd recommend that to anyone. It's quality filtering. I compose a lot of nonsense, a lot of trash, and then I, I take that, which is good. I just go with, with what I feel, what, what feels like, what feels right, which is what the entire book is about, right? Um, so, but, but, but that's where it comes from. It comes from... Um, as I said, when you open your heart, you start moving in other directions professionally, too. Did you study music as a child? No. So I this is all music. just, this is all natural then? I don't know any, I don't know anything about music. I don't know musical notes. I don't know the first thing about music, Thomas. You truly are a genius. You're brilliant. <laughs> it's just amazing. Wow. Well, it's, it's It's intuition. Musicians talk about that a lot. They talk about intuition a lot, about feeling it, okay? And and the Beatles, for example, they they didn't know musical notes. They just went by what they felt. It's true, yeah. They didn't. Yeah. So it's, it's, again, the same same principle. That's that's Fred right there, okay? That's how he learned languages. That's how he... uh, wrote books, that's how he made music, 
it's always intuitively, which is why I had to write that book, uh, The Intuitive Awareness Method, because that's what I've been doing my entire life. So how can people hear your music? Guide them in to where it's posted. Oh, it's just uh, realitycreation.org. And the link on the website is Music for Meditation and Visualization. And then also, if people are not connected to you on Facebook, it's Reality Creation Coaching and the same on Twitter. And are you on Instagram as well? No. Yeah, I'm not either. Okay. So Twitter and uh, Facebook, you can catch him on social media as well. Fred, this has been a classic. Thank you very much for spending this time with us. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. Yeah, well, I I appreciate it too, actually. (laughs) So thank you. Thanks to your thanks for your contribution to society as well. It's um, it's just been profound, and I'm been thrilled to to have a seat at the at the show. So thank you for that. We well, will. You've been the voice of that contribution. <laughs> gladly, and we'll continue to support the work. Thanks for being with us. You're welcome. Bye bye. The book is short, it's crisp, it doesn't take long to listen to or to read if you pick up the paperback copy or the Kindle version. And this technique will definitely help lead you into intuition, and it will help you clarify intuition if you already follow it. The Intuitive Awareness Method by Fred Dodson. Check out the show notes for the links, and we'll see you here next time with podcast. Oh, I just remembered. We've already recorded 176. It's about parenting. So that will be the last one. Sorry, Fred. (laughs) (laughs) I know that matters to him about that much, especially from what you've just heard. Hey, thanks for sharing the time with both of us. On behalf of Fred Dodson and Majana, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Enjoy the journey. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.